Hi, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you. Let's stand up. Prepare our hearts for worship. I love this song. Uh, it's a great way to start the day. It says, uh, you know, we've waited for today. We're gathered up, calling out to you. Let's sing this out together. All right, here we go. We waited for this day. We've gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're saved.
Chris is going to lead us. Let's sing this together. Sing this Friday night together. Here we go.
Lord, that's why we come to church today. Because I think we can all um, say in some way, for those of us who have known you and followed you for some time anyway, that um, what we do in this life is not enough. All that we can bring, all that we can do of our own doing is not enough. Unless you show up. Unless you come. I feel like we could wake up every morning and pray that together. With you. Say, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here? What a pure prayer. So God, meet us here today, we pray. Thank you for already showing up and being here in a powerful way. Uh, We know you're always here anyway, but sometimes you just infiltrate our heart in special ways uh, where we really sense your presence. So Lord, for the multitudes that are gathered today, for all of what you have for us today, God, would you speak? Would you be made known? We'll be careful to look back in a little less than an hour and say, God, you surely spoke to me and you met me here again. Thank you so much, God, in your name. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a good time of worship and prayer, friends. Glad you showed up, showed up for church today. Hey, I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. Glad you're here. Hey, while you're standing, take just a second. Say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Good morning and happy November. It is great to be here with you. I'm uh, Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopevale. And, you know, speaking of November, we kicked off the month in a tremendous way last Friday with an incredible night of worship. And I think this guy right here deserves a little, like, shout out, huh? So how'd you feel about the evening, Billy? Uh, the evening was awesome. How, how many people were here? Keep them hands up if you felt real good about Friday night. Yeah, that's right. Wow, what a refreshing time. Yeah, it was tremendous. Yeah, Just thanks, an unfettered, open evening to spend extended time worshiping the Lord. So, so many people involved, and we're just so grateful for that. So speaking of November, a couple other things I want you to be aware of. Tonight at 6 p.m., we're um, launching a, a new round of our growth classes. We have three new class offerings that you can learn more about on our website or at our info desk. Great opportunities to go further and deeper in your faith. All, all, uh, faith uh, related to that, actually, one of the classes uh, happens on Sunday mornings during the second hour slot that Pastor Ken leads called Got Questions, and just a great opportunity to learn more about the Christian faith. And then next Sunday, following the second service at 12.30 in our venue, we're gonna be offering our Get to Know Hopevale event. We do this a few times a year. And this is for those of you who are newer to the church and you wanna find out more. We talk about who we are, what we believe, and how you can fit. And uh, just a great opportunity for just stepping a little further into the life of our church. And so uh, the event is uh, open to everyone. There's a free lunch included. All we ask is that you let us know you're coming. You can do that by stopping at our Welcome Center and get your name. And again, would love to have you join us. Uh, One other announcement. Last week, we launched a new version 
of our bulletin that looks like this. And uh, we created this really for a couple different reasons. One, to let you know how you can access as much information as possible. Hopefell, whether it's going through uh, our website, social media, stopping at our welcome center or our info desk, and again, just really wanting to let you know how to get involved in the life of our church and the different events going on. But we've also, uh, you may have noticed, added a place to take message notes. So this is, uh, for those of you who maybe aren't you know, using smartphones or tablets during the service, just an old school way of jotting key thoughts, impressions that God lays on your heart during the message. And then talk about high tech, look at this. There's a tear-off card, right? And this actually is what we're most excited about because it's a way for you to interact with us as a church. You know, whether you want prayer for something, whether uh, you want to know how to get more involved, get involved in serving, or you just have questions about Christianity and who this Jesus is and who he can be for you. So we're excited about this and looking forward to using that in the life of our church. And then we realized, too, that maybe there's a few information items that have been taken off the bulletin as it used to be. So we've added something called the Hopevale Happenings, and it's a separate sheet that we're going to produce monthly that just gives you some of the key highlights of the event. These are available at our info desk. They're also available at the plexiglass holders between the double doors and the back of the auditorium again. So feel free to pick those up. Again, we put everything on our website as well, and that's another way to learn. So just as we make these changes, we again want to be a church that's in touch with each other, communicating, and again, feel free to use this tear-off card to reach out to us as well. So with that in mind, I'm going to ask that our ushers come forward. We're going to continue with a time of worship, and we really do view everything that happens in the service as an act of worship, including this act of giving. We spent all last month talking about finding your fit, about what it means to serve God with what he's given us, and that's in terms of our time and our talents, but this is an opportunity to worship God and to serve him with the treasures he's entrusted to us. So let's just use this time to say thank you, God. Let's pray together. And God, it has been our prayer through song that you would meet with us, as Billy said, in a deep and powerful and personal way today. And so we want to be open to that. Never, never, never do we want the occasions of Sunday morning to simply be be going through the motions or checking off a box, but that we would realize that through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we are meeting the living God, the almighty creator, the one who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross in our place for our sins and raised him victoriously from the dead so that we can sing about the new life and celebrate that as well that we have in Jesus. And so even today as we give, this isn't about you know, trying to win you over. This is simply about responding in gratitude for your amazing grace. And so with with that in mind, we do that. We say, thank you, God. We say, we love you, Jesus. And we pray in your name, amen. It's Pastor Dan. So 
I want to introduce you to a couple of friends of mine who are leading us in worship today along with me. Uh, this is uh, Abby and Chris, my buddies from my old church down in the Detroit area. Can we make them feel welcome at Hopevale? We used to uh, lead worship together every now and then on Sunday mornings in rotation, and then we'd lead worship together once or twice a month uh, at a ministry called Celebrate Recovery for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I'm telling you, we just, uh, we love singing together, and we love playing together and, and doing that, and it's a really good time, but going to that ministry together was so cool because you got these people that are admitting that they've got stuff, and they're admitting that they've got things going on in their lives to be like, yeah, this isn't so hot, and I need some help, God. So um, I'd venture to say that's all of us. And in that ministry, Celebrate Recovery, those just happen to be maybe some more extreme cases, but maybe not. And uh, so um, maybe today's a day where we can uh, come and just be before God together and say, God, uh, I got some stuff. Um, could you help work through some of my stuff and help speak into my life and be a presence again and be a powerful presence? God would be so honored by that. We were uh, toying around with a couple songs to sing that we thought we'd just do a feature tune while you're chilling and, and uh, uh, giving this morning. Uh, we got this tune called Take a Moment. It's a, it's a great way to just say, let's take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. And uh, it's a perspective changer. Hopefully it's a good one for you. So hope you like it. It goes like this.
the darkest places your love carries your love carries me through all the valleys and the darkest places your love carries your love carries me through all the valleys and the darkest places. That was um, phenomenal. <laughs> and so personal, just that whole idea of the loads we carry, and, and Billy was talking about that with you know, us dealing with our stuff. And for some of us, it's out there in evidence. For others of us, it's more secret, more hidden. But we all need a savior. And we do. And that's why we come in this place week by week to remind ourselves about who Jesus is and who we are and how much we need him every single day of our lives. So today, church family, this is one of the highlights of our year. Today is Baptism Sunday, and today we get to celebrate with seven of your brothers and sisters in Christ who are publicly proclaiming their faith through Believer's Baptism. It's going to be an incredible experience. You know, Believer's Baptism is something that the church has practiced for the last 2,000 years. It is the act that signifies and seals the cleansing and the renewal that happens through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His shed blood on our behalf and his resurrection, conquering sin, death, and the grave. And this very act of the people being baptized, placed into water, and being brought up again is a symbol of our transformation as believers in Christ from going to death to life. And it's incredible, and we should never tire of what a miracle that truly is. See, baptism itself isn't an act that saves us, but baptism is the act that says Jesus has saved us. And it's a proclamation to God, to ourselves, to the world, to each other and the church family that we belong to him. And so I'm so glad we have moments like this, opportunities like this, milestones like this, where we as a church family can be reminded and encouraged of how great a savior we worship. So in a moment, we're gonna watch these baptisms happen live and in real time and get to celebrate with those being baptized. But before then, we want you to hear their stories. So take a look at the screens. My name is Dana DeLong, and I've been going to Hopevale about three years. My name is Jim Sahaki, and I've been coming to Hopedale for two months. My name is Mike, and I have been coming to Hopevale for about 13 or 14 months now. 
name is Caitlin McNeil, and I've been coming to Hopevale for about a year now. My name is Willow, and I've been coming to Hopevale since I was three. My name is Harrison, and I have been coming to Hopevale since I was two. My name is Lily, and I've been going to Hopevale for about eight years. I'm getting baptized because I want to make a public declaration that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to be baptized because uh, over the last year, I think my journey of coming to Christ has been really interesting for me. And so now it's kind of like, I feel it on the inside and so I'm ready to show it on the outside. I'm getting baptized because I want to take this step and statement in my faith with God and Jesus. I want to show that I'm a Christian and that I have accepted Jesus into my heart. My life was kind of a mess. Um, I mean, I have a, a good family life, but I just didn't feel like I knew what direction I was supposed to be going. And a friend of mine uh, several years ago actually kind of poked and prodded at me to come to Hopevale. And I kept saying I didn't want to because the church was too big, but I finally did. It just kind of stuck, it clicked, and I felt like I was at home. And it's taken me a while to get to this point, but I feel like God definitely pursued me and along with the help of family and friends, I've made it to where I am now. I'm excited um, in the way that he's helping me find my path. I find doors are opening for me that I don't think would open without him. I am going to be serving on an open table with New Life Church, helping a veteran, so I think that's exciting. I'm just seeing all kinds of opportunities I've never seen before with God in my life was brought up a Catholic from an infant, of course. I was baptized as an infant. When I got married, uh, my wife was going to a different church, so I decided to go with her. And uh, she decided to become a member and join that church. I never did. I always had this empty feeling. I would go through the motions and go with her to church every Sunday, but I felt that there was still, there was something missing in my life. I had an incident back in 1980 that really changed my life and gave me a different outlook and uh, a, a more of a closeness with God. Uh, so we came to Hope Vale, and uh, the message has been just so uplifting since we've been coming here. I know it's only been two months. I just have this inner peace at this point right now in my life that I found the Lord. I want to make an outward commitment to Him and uh, that's where I am right now. I've had a relationship as a Christian all of my life. I was brought up in the church. Never really walked away from the church, but not necessarily, not ever not believing in God, but just never knew the, the deep relationship with God that I could have. I really owe most of it to my wife, Stana, and uh, a friend of mine that I grew up with. Through those two people, important people in my life, I've 
just found a deeper walk and a better understanding of um, what it means to be a Christ follower, helping me to understand better the passages of the Bible. Um, and I'm, I'm still not where I need to be or where I'd like to be, but uh, she has been just a, a huge force. Stena has just taken me to different levels in my walk with Christ. Um, before Christ, my life was just kind of normal. Like, there wasn't anything really abnormal about it. I didn't really have any, like, suffering, like, nothing terrible happened. And so I think that was kind of why I was, like, okay with not having Christ be a part of my life. Because I didn't really, I didn't think I needed him. When my son was born, he had some health complications. And uh, for a little bit, we weren't sure if he was going to make it. And I just prayed a lot that he would help him to get better and he would help him come home. And I promised that if he did that, that my life would be different. And I would have a good relationship with God and with Christ. And so when we got to bring our son home with us, I realized that God came through for me. And so now it's my turn to come through for him. So now, uh, mostly what I'm, what I'm doing and what God is helping me with is kind of figuring out who I am and what my life is gonna be like now that I'm a mom and I'm raising a beautiful, healthy baby boy. I accepted Jesus in my heart when I was three. I was in my room on my mom's lap before we were reading because I was so little. I didn't understand as much as I do now. And now I know what it's like to need Jesus. I need him because he's my savior and because he died on the cross for me. I knew I needed him and wanted him to be in my heart. I want to show Jesus in my actions and be a good example. When I was seven and I was sitting on the couch with my mom and my cat. I wanted to have the free gift of salvation. I want to show how I love Jesus by acting and doing and saying what he would want me to do. I met Jesus when I was in about fourth or fifth grade at church. We, we had kind of just moved out of that like littler, younger grade. Someone's actually started to like teach us how we would act and like be with us during my life as I got older. Right now, Jesus is kind of helping me through my first steps in middle school. Uh, I know we've had lots of tests and there have been some like new challenges that I've not faced yet and he has been with me throughout all those and helped me through it, stay confident and positive. about to be baptized and Betty is a big reason why Dana is here today so she's going to help with us. Dana, 
Are you trusting the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And do you want to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Dana, based on this, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mike, are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Based on that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. And based on this profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, Willow, are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Well, based on this, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, Harrison. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Well, based on this, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is a real honor. Lily is a neighbor of mine, and she's also in my community group. So it's such a privilege to be here today to do this with you. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Well, based on this profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. some light okay all right hey let's pray together everybody Lord we thank you uh, for who you are we thank you for moving in stories and in people's lives we thank you for being so personal God um, 
so many of us imagine you as the God that's made the moon and the stars and you've set them in place, like the psalm, as the psalmist says in Psalm 8, it says, who, who am I that you're mindful of me? And yet, you're the God of Psalm 139 that knows all the numbers of hair on our head. Uh, you know us so personally and you want us to live with you so personally, yet you want us to respect you so greatly and grand and in such a grand way. So we respect you, we honor you, we thank you that uh, you can be so personal in our, in our lives. Lord, what a beautiful thing to see uh, a, a body going down into a water grave and leaving the old self and rising new to new life uh, as a real picture and a symbol of what's happened in our heart already. So um, God, we thank you for that reminder. It's no wonder, Jesus, you gave us a physical reminder to do in front of other people so that uh, we could remember who you are and know what you've done. Uh, Jesus, you died a death. You went into a grave and you rose again so that we could have new life. You wanted us to imitate what you do. You call us every day to imitate what you do. And uh, before you left this earth, you said, I want you to do two things. I want you to remember me in communion and I want you to remember me in baptism. So for those of us who try to follow you the best way we can, we just try to honor you and be obedient to those, to those ways. So thank you for lives that were able to do just that today. And we're, we're blessed and we're ministered to in our heart just by watching that. Thank you, God. And ask, Lord, your blessing on Pastor Dan as he prepares to come and give us a talk for today. In Jesus' name, we all pray and say. Okay, coolest thing ever or what, huh? Phenomenal, phenomenal. I, by the way, I, I love your enthusiastic response and I'd like to think it's a spiritual reason but I think it's an extra hour of sleep, right? Is that, yeah. So seriously though, today is a very historic day because while we're doing this here, at Hopevale Bay City, they are doing their very first baptisms ever there. And so it's phenomenal. So they'll be doing that. Pastor Steve has a message for them. So today is a no stream Sunday, and this is my opportunity to talk to you as a church directly. You know, today really is a family affair. Today is really about us as a church family experiencing a moment together. And I realize that maybe there are some here who aren't regulars here at Hope Valley. Maybe you were a family member or a friend to support someone who was baptized today. We just are so glad you're here, that you get a feel and taste of what we're all about. And maybe this helps fill in some of the, the gaps of understanding your friend, your family member's story, and why they are so excited about their faith in Jesus Christ. So it's glad, glad that we are able to rejoice with those who have publicly professed their faith, that we can celebrate with them. And you know, to put this into context, 
What we've just experienced links us with this unbelievable heritage that baptism has been a central part of Christian worship in the church for the last 2,000 years. Same goes with communion that we observed together last week, that these two ordinances or sacraments are, are, are the signs, the gifts, the ceremonies that Jesus has given us to, as a church to keep pointing us back to the firm foundation of our faith. And that firm foundation is in Jesus, in his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection for us. And so, with that in mind, I just want to spend a little more time talking with you today about baptism, right? And as I've been thinking about what I wanted to share, my mind actually drifted to Election Day this Tuesday. Election Tuesday. Now, it is a big day for our nation. The emotions are high. The rhetoric is heated. The ads, of course, are negative, right? But depending on who you're listening to, you might have even heard that this is the most important election of our lifetime, that the fate of our country is in your hands. So how should we as a church, how should we as Christians think about the election? Well, as senior pastor and as a member of our elder board, here's what I'd say to you about this Tuesday. That as a church, we want you to vote, but we're not going to tell you how to vote, okay? We want you to vote, but we're not going to tell you how to vote. And that means a couple things. That on the one hand, we really do encourage everyone who calls Hopevale their church home to do these three things, okay? We want you to learn, we want you to pray, and we want you to vote. We want you to learn, we want you to pray, we want you to vote. We want you to learn about the issues, take some time to figure out, you know, what are the ballot measures, the candidates, and so forth. We want you to pray for God's guidance, and then we want you to go out and vote. You know, as Christians, we should be engaged with the political process and what's going on around us. But on the other hand, we're not going to tell you how to vote. Because here at Hopevale, we believe it's not the church's role to get involved with partisan politics. Partisan politics, the key word being partisan. Now, you've probably heard me say this before, but it bears repeating that you just can't equate a certain political party with Christianity because they're not the same. They're not the same. Now, one party might line more with the issues that you feel most passionately about, and that certainly, you know, you should let that influence how you vote personally, but don't equate that with the idea that there is one right Christian way to vote on every single candidate and measure, because that simply doesn't exist. Now, having said that, there are times through our political process where we do have the opportunity to vote on nonpartisan ballot issues, measures that concern the church. I would say cultural issues like that affect the institution of marriage and the family that affect the dignity of all human life from conception to death, that affect care for the most vulnerable in our society, right? So there are times where it is appropriate for us to learn from the scriptures and then to speak out accordingly. But like I said before, in most cases, when it comes to candidates, when it comes to political parties, we want you to vote, but we're not going to tell you how to vote. And the reason that we keep banging this drum is this, okay? While we think politics are important, we just don't think they're most important. 
That as a church, that as believers in Christ, we think politics are important. We just don't think they're most important. See, for the believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches this, that we live in this world as dual citizens. Dual citizens. So yes, we're citizens of this wonderful country of ours, but as Christians, we're also citizens of another kingdom, a greater kingdom, an everlasting kingdom known as the kingdom of heaven. And we must not ever forget that. You know, Jesus talked about this very thing, this idea of dual citizenship just hours before his crucifixion. That after his, his, his arrest, the, the Jewish leaders brought Jesus before a man named Pontius Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor over Jerusalem and all the Judean region. Now, these leaders wanted Jesus killed. But they didn't have the authority to sentence that. Only Pilate could have Jesus crucified. Now, to be honest, Pilate didn't really care one way or the other about Jesus and all that he stood for. No, Pilate just wanted to stay in control, right? be in charge, hold all the power, and keep the hassles to a minimum. And so with Jesus right in front of him, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? as some were accusing Jesus of saying and hearing from his followers. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, well, is that your own idea or did other people talk to you about me? Again, Pilate doesn't really care, so he says something to the effect, you know, listen, Jesus, I'm not Jewish, okay? No, it is your own people, it is your own chief priests who've handed you over to me. So just out of curiosity, what did you do to tick them off so much, right? That's essentially what Pilate is asking Jesus. He, he's really trying to figure this out. Now look at Jesus' response. Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants, right, my followers would have fight to prevent my arrest from the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. See, the religious leaders were upset because people were calling Jesus the king of the Jews. And because of that, Pilate might have thought Jesus was just, you know, one more peasant rebel trying to stir up an uprising, right? So just to make things clear, Jesus goes on record. He tells Pilate and all who are listening what his mission was all about, that as the eternal son of God on this earth in human form, just like us, right? Jesus says, Pilate, we're not competitors, Sure, you are part of the wealthiest and most powerful empire on this planet, but I have no interest in trying to take your place. No, I'm here to establish an even greater, everlasting kingdom, one of peace and goodness and restoration known as the kingdom of heaven. And so, my kingdom is not of this world. And so just after this interaction, Jesus was sentenced to death. Hours later, he was crucified on a Roman cross. And there was a sign above him proclaiming a far greater truth than anyone had ever intended. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Well, Jesus finally passed away on that cross. His lifeless body was taken down and laid in a sealed tomb just before sundown. But then three days later, God raised this same Jesus to life. And in doing so, ushering in this kingdom of heaven into this broken, sin-cursed world that we live in. 
And because of that victory over sin and death, citizenship into this kingdom is offered to everyone, everyone who personally believes in Jesus, both as their crucified Savior and as their risen Lord. Citizenship to all who believe. And ever since then, God has been writing these incredible stories of citizenship for the last 2,000 years. One of the most miraculous stories is that of the Apostle Paul. Paul, this first century church leader, Paul, this primary writer of the New Testament. Now, before Paul met Jesus, he identified his citizenship in a different way. He was both a well-respected religious leader, part of the establishment, but he was also a Roman citizen. That's how Paul would have thought of himself. But this supernatural encounter with the risen Christ changed all that for Paul, and he soon discovered a citizenship that matters most. And he tells us about that in the New Testament book of Philippians. Now, in the book of Philippians, and I thought this just so, you know, ironic how similar it is to our setting today. Paul is writing to Christians, and these Christians are being pulled into emotional controversies that were trying to undermine their faith. Emotional controversies that got them stirred up, that got them thrown off track, right? Caused them to focus on the wrong things. And so to remind them of what truly mattered most, Paul tells them this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Pay attention to this. Very important. To Christians, he says, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot stress to you how vital, vitally important this passage is. See, we as Christians live as these dual citizens in this world, but our allegiance isn't identical. It's not identical, or at least it shouldn't be. And so when Paul says our citizenship is in heaven, he's reminding us of where our hope should ultimately lie. That the kingdom of heaven Jesus inaugurated at his first coming is the same kingdom that he will consummate at his second coming. That is why we, quote, eagerly await a savior from there. Let me put it this way. That as a citizen, you know, it's okay to place your small H hope in the politics of our country, right? To vote, to engage in the process, to work for change. We should be doing that. It's part of our privilege as citizens of this democratic republic of ours. We should never give up in wanting to make this a better nation for all people. But don't confuse your small H hope as a U.S. citizen with your big H hope of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's our hope. Because if we haven't learned by now, there's no politician out there. There's no plan. There's no platform that can fix and heal this broken, divided, hate-filled world of ours. Because the problem's not out there. The problem's in here. No, the only one who can do it, the only one who one day will do that, is the Prince of Peace, is the King of Kings, is the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's no mistake that Paul refers to Jesus here as the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the Lord this title of power and authority and respect and submission, that back in the first century when citizens of the Roman Empire would declare that, Jesus, that, that Caesar is Lord, right? The emperor is Lord. Paul told Christians then and now that we have a different confession to make. That there is no president, there is no governor, there is no king, there is no queen, there is no pope, there is no priest, there is no pastor, there is no authority figure on this earth that is Lord over our lives. No, as followers and worshipers of Jesus Christ, we join with Christians over the last 2,000 years in confessing that Jesus is Lord. Dual citizens, yes, definitely. But equal allegiance, no. Why? Because our citizenship ultimately is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, I want to tie that all that back to baptism today. And all that we heard, all that we saw, all that we celebrated. See, every time the church gathers to celebrate with those who publicly declare their faith in Jesus Christ, through believers' baptism, we should be reminded anew and afresh that our citizenship and our hope ultimately lie in the kingdom of heaven. That's our big H hope and our primary allegiance above all else is to our Lord and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the baptism stories you heard today are really stories of citizenship, right? Stories of men, women, boys, and girls declaring their allegiance to King Jesus. It's like I've said before, baptism doesn't make you a Christian, but baptism does tell the world that you are one, that baptism proclaims above all else that you identify with Jesus, that you are all in with him. So yes, we should be excited for them, but we should also be encouraged for ourselves. And so today I want to leave you with one final thought. Hundreds of people in here, right? And it'd be so easy for us to sit in a baptism service like this one and think that it's just about the handful of people who are baptized, right? That today has been their day, but then the rest of us, we've just been these observers and supporters. God never intended baptism in the church to be like that. And yes, it is true that today, November 4th, 2018, will be this once-in-a-lifetime spiritual milestone for them. I also want to challenge the rest of us with this question. How are you identifying with Jesus Christ today? You've heard their story, but what's your story? How are you identifying with Jesus Christ today? See, for some of you, the issue isn't baptism, because that's the furthest thing from your mind. But rather, it's you making that initial faith commitment in believing in Jesus Christ and confessing that he is your Lord, he is your Savior. Because even before baptism, this is the very first step of Christian identification, where it's not just about you knowing about Jesus, you know, the facts in your head. Rather, it's about you crossing the line of faith and knowing Jesus personally in your heart. And I really think that for some of you today, these personal stories of life change, what you saw, what you heard, what you witnessed, what you experienced, have spoken to your heart, spoken to what you've been missing out on. 
And if that's the case for you, pay attention to that, right? Let today be the day where you take a step towards or a step across the line of faith and you identify with Jesus Christ and that you tell him that you want him, you need him to be your savior and your Lord. That's where some of you might be today. For others of you, you've already made that faith commitment, but you haven't been baptized yet. You haven't had a moment like this where you have publicly identified with Jesus. To use the analogy of a wedding ring, you have the relationship. Jesus is yours. You just haven't declared it publicly and symbolized it through baptism. That's you. I'd encourage you to reach out to us, right? You can use the tear-off communication card on the bottom of the bulletin. Talk to one of us after the service because we'd love to help you answer your questions, overcome your fears, and let you take steps towards being baptized yourself. Now, there are two other groups that I want to speak to today before I wrap up. And thinking about Baptism Sunday, Election Tuesday, and all the rest, the two groups are these, the distracted and the discouraged. The distracted and the discouraged. First, to the distracted. These are those of you here who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you have lost sight of your ultimate allegiance because you are so wrapped up in the affairs of this world, especially when it comes to this volatile and political climate of ours, right? So wrapped up, so consumed that with every presidential tweet, with every doomsday political Facebook post, with every cable news show stirring things up, you find your heart is being consumed with things like anger or fear or hatred about them, whoever the them is, right? And so if you are a Christian and that's where you're living, that is, I'm just, that's flat out sin, And you need to repent of that because that is not even coming close to the greatest commandment that Jesus calls us to, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It says that our heart really is somewhere else. If you're distracted, if you're consumed by what's going on around, tell the Lord you're sorry. Take purposeful steps to redirect your best energies and your deepest emotions back to the Lord. Why? Because your citizenship ultimately is in heaven. So don't live a distracted life. That's for the distracted and then the discouraged. Every Sunday, people walk through these doors, right? Crushed by life, dealt some pretty heavy blows, and I think of my role as a pastor and all our staff, really, You know, we get a front row seat to a lot of yucky stuff that people go through because bad things really do happen to good people. Medical issues, chronic pain, cancer diagnoses, terminal situations, hospice care, unexpected deaths, infertility, troubled pregnancies, miscarriages, marital conflicts, irreconcilable differences. Spiteful separations, nasty divorces, broken homes, rebellious teens, verbal, emotional, physical, sexual abuse, real or accused. There is so much pain and hurt and evil in this world. I can understand why people lose their hope and want to give up, right? Now, if I've mentioned something that you've gone through, I can't begin to give you a reason why God has allowed that to happen to you. But here's what I can do. 
I can point you back. I can point you back to this capital H hope that is bigger and greater and better than anything you could possibly ever go through in this life. Because that hope has a name. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we live in this broken world of ours that no politician could ever fix, we eagerly await. We eagerly await our Savior's return from heaven. And we do so with the three greatest things, faith, hope, and love. That's my word to the discouraged, to the ones carrying these heavy burdens, these loads that we sung about, right? Listen, whatever category we may fall in today, my prayer is that our shared experience this morning as a church would lead us to new and greater and deeper identification with Jesus, whatever that means for you, that we would know him personally as our Savior and follow him more fully as our Lord, and we would do so because our citizenship is in heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that we get these moments as a church family to rejoice, to celebrate with men, women, boys, girls who are telling their story to us, to themselves, to you, to the world, that Jesus truly is Savior and Lord. And yet it's my heart, it's our prayer, that this isn't just about seven participants and hundreds of observers, but that this would be a shared experience, a mutual reminder that we live as dual citizens in this world as Christians, but our allegiance is not the same because Jesus, we confess anew and afresh that you are Savior and you are Lord. If we're distracted, Lord, help us to confess, to repent. If we're discouraged, Lord, help us to hang on with hope. And thank you that even as I pray this, your Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer in Jesus Christ and fills this place, knows how to pray for us intercede for us with words beyond our words. And so that's our heart. That's our prayer. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to respond with a closing song, but before we do, we just want to recognize again and celebrate those who are baptized today. So I'm just going to read your name, and if you're in here, would you stand? Uh, Dana, Jim, go ahead and stand. Mike, Caitlin, Willow, Harrison, and Lily. Hey, let's give them our best, huh? Our prayer is for God's blessing upon your life that he would take today and seal it upon your heart, that it would stay with you forever. So I'm going to ask that everyone stand now and let's respond in worship.
can it be an anthem of grace, a perfect way to wrap up this service? Our sin is great. His grace is greater. 
and may that encourage your hearts this week. Next Sunday, we're going to begin a new series called Contagious Generosity. But as you go from here, may the capital H hope that we have in Jesus Christ encourage your heart. God bless you.